Blog Talk Radio. Already more than 12,000 votes have been received. Votes by artists and artisans, stars and technicians alike, from all the manifold activities of Hollywood. Votes counted and recorded in the strictest privacy by public accountants. And Hollywood talks of little else as the evening approaches. The Academy Dinner. Come with me, Mr. and Mrs. Audience, and you, Tommy, and Mary, too, to the Coconut Grove in the Ambassador Hotel. See for yourself, and be conscious, as I am, of the outstanding mood of this brilliant gathering. Suspense. Who will win the Academy Awards? The tension grows and grows. Little else is thought of, little else discussed. For not one whisper of Hollywood's choices has been allowed to escape. Everybody's here. Everybody's curious, covetous, envious perhaps, but excited. For dearly cherished is the recognition by our fellow workers of our efforts. Remember, I am Oscar, the ultimate glory in Hollywood's success. This is Hollywood's big night. The night dreams are made of. Because on Academy Award night, they see the culmination of all the efforts of the past year, whether they be actors or actresses, directors, producers, whatever it is. This is the big night. Yes, and that big night is now 13 days away. Good evening, everyone. Jason O'Brien here live on the air on the Oscar Oscar online radio show. Online radio show here on blogtalkradio.com. And it is Monday night, February 19th, 2018. The telephone number for the show is 646 915 9500. My email address, should you want to get a hold of me at any time, is jaobrien, that's J A O B R I E N, 1971 at gmail.com. Um, but yes, back on the air here after a couple of weeks as the Oscar season is getting nearer and nearer to Oscar night. And like I said, it's our countdown show here to our last one before our Oscar prediction special. Um, so we'll update all the latest news. Uh, we still had some precursor awards that were presented recently, including this past weekend's BAFTA awards, uh, probably the most uh, well-recognized. Uh, a lot of the various guilds also gave honors. And the, uh, we'll kind of update on the state of the race right now, as obviously things are still changing. It's uh, one of these Oscar races where everything's up in the air, including Best Picture. I mean, we do have some sure things that are in some categories, um, but we'll be fine-tuning all of those predictions, and you'll want to tune in for our next show after this is going to be our Oscar prediction special, and that will be on March 1st, uh, 2018. I just put out the official uh, poster for our Oscar prediction special out on Facebook uh, and Instagram tonight. You may have seen it, called it The Shape of Oscar. I was trying to think of some th- – I always try to come up with some theme uh, to an, for our poster for our Oscar prediction special, and uh, – I was either I was waffling between a, a three billboards theme. I was going to try to put some billboards together uh, and put us up on some billboards, but I I thought I'd do the shape of Oscar. So I had a kind of underwater Oscar image um, and have all of us Oscar predictors underwater. Um, so anyway, if you do catch that, that's out there now. But uh, yes, indeed, our panel of five is going to all be back this year, and that's going to be it's getting your Oscar weekend started on Thursday, March first, and with a live show. We always do it live. Um, we'll do it live. Yes. On Thursday night, March 1st, and that will start at 10 p.m. Central, 9 uh, – excuse me, 
10 Eastern, 9 Central, and 7 Pacific Time. And of course, as always with any of the Blog Talk Radio shows, you can always catch them on the archive later when you might want to catch them. But it's three hours. Um, all the prep for the show is actually done now. Garney is still working on his medley as we speak. Yes, indeed, Garney will be back after a couple of years relinquishing the, the, the job to Jamie Duvall. Garney is back with his first medley in three years to open the show. So he's working on that now. He gave me just a little preview. I'm not going to spoil that here at all. But we always open our show with that. And then you'll also get to hear uh, um, a lot of clips. Um, it's not just us talking about our predictions, but also you get to hear some of the nominees talking about their performances or talking about the craft uh, this year. You can hear the uh, some of the music nominated um, and, of course, clips from the nominees. So uh, anyway, it's always the biggest show of the year. Always look forward to it, reuniting um, with Mark Johnson, Chelsea Del Prey. It's the only time uh, all year long I talk to those two. <laughs> It seems, except for communicating on Facebook. And, of course, um, my fellow moviegoers, Garney Johnson and Jamie Duvall, uh, will be here as well. So looking forward to that. So if you haven't already, mark your calendars for that uh, Thursday night, March 1st, uh, the Oscar weekend, getting kicked off with our Oscar prediction special. But anyway, our little business at the top of the show. Our sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audibletrial.com slash Oscar Oscar. That's audibletrial.com slash Oscar Oscar. So anyway, um, duh, 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 but yes. So now that we are 13 days from the Oscars, tonight is just one last show uh, to update all the latest news. Um, and the first batch of presenters have been announced for this this year's Oscar show. Um, and the presenters uh, that have been announced are going to be Mahershala Ali, of course, who won uh, Best Supporting Actor last year. So as is tradition, he's most likely coming back to present Supporting Actress. Also announced Chadwick Boseman, um, who, of course, is having a great weekend. Uh, Black Panther, the new Marvel film that opened this weekend, uh, such a huge, huge success. Uh, it was amazing reading so many of the records that it was breaking. I think like there were 80 AMC theaters that reported that this was the top-grossing film on a weekend ever. <laughs> And over $200 million at the box office is great to see um, the success. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Um, I haven't, didn't have a chance to see it yet, but, God, all the reviews have been extraordinary. So Black Panther himself, Chadwick Boseman, will be there. Viola Davis, uh, who won last year, will be back. Uh, Laura Dern, Jennifer Garner, Greta Gerwig, Tiffany Haddish, Tom Holland, Kumail Najani, Margot Robbie, nominated this year for I, Tanya. Emma Stone, who won last year, uh, no doubt will be back to present Best Actor, and Daniela Vega. Uh, so that is the current list of Oscar presenters, and of course there will be more announcements that I'm sure we'll get in the coming weeks. Um, and the Oscar production team was announced, um, and the headline was that they bring more than 90 years of Oscars experience. But they announced 10 key members of the production team. I know this is the most exciting news you probably waited for. But Glenn Weiss is returning as the director of the telecast for his third consecutive year. Uh, Rob Payne returns as supervising producer. He's been with the Oscar telecast for more than 20 years. The production designer, Derek McLean, returns to the Oscars for a sixth consecutive year. Returning as head writer is John Max, who's an eight-time Primetime Emmy nominee. Also returning is writer Dave Boone, a ten-time Primetime Emmy Award nominee. Carol Liefer joins the show as a writer, and she has written for the Oscars telecast seven times. Harold Wheeler, music director, returns for his fifth Oscars telecast. 
Uh, Taryn Hurd rejoins the Oscar telecast team for the fifth consecutive year as talent producer. Lighting designer Robert Dickinson returns for his 29th Oscar show. Raj Kapoor joins the Oscars for the second consecutive year as co-producer, uh, overseeing screen content and performances. So uh, the Oscars is always going to be in good hands with a, a very experienced crew um, for this year's Oscars telecast. Um, and then the Academy, as always, they announced uh, there's an Oscars week of events, and this is what I always said. Like I, I wouldn't want to live in L.A., but um, this is the time of year that would be great to be out there, um, especially as a film and an Oscars fan, uh, because the Academy Oscar events that celebrate this year's nominees that take place. Um, and For example, on Tuesday, February 27th, that evening, uh, will be a program on the shorts um, at the Samuel Golden Theater, hosted by director Taiki Watiti. Um, and this program will look into the animated short film and live-action short film categories with complete screenings of all those nominated films as well as panel discussions. Then on Wednesday, February 28th, that evening, will be uh, about a, the documentaries uh, this year. And then I mentioned this before. This is another great thing. The Oscar concert will be presented by the Los Angeles Philharmonic on Wednesday night, February 28th, uh, with Thomas Wilkins, conductor, and Terrence Blanchard will be on trumpet. That will be at the Walt Disney Concert Hall. Uh, that would be such a great event to go to. Uh, then on Thursday, March 1st, that evening, will be uh, a session and a panel on the animated features this year. And then on Saturday, March 3rd of Oscar weekend, there will be a foreign language film symposium about the foreign language film nominees this year. And then also on Saturday in the afternoon will be a makeup and hairstyling symposium to celebrate the nominees of that this year. Tickets for these are all available online at oscars.org. Um, and these tickets are not even that hugely expensive. They're $5 for the general public, $3 for Academy members and students with a valid ID. Um, so you can check out Oscars.org uh, for ticket information to all that if you happen to be in the L.A. area and would like to get more insight into some of those other categories. Um, so we know some people that will not be uh, able to attend the Oscars, and I think this happened a couple of years ago with one of the foreign language film directors, but this year it's happening with um, – one of the documentary nominees, but um, it was announced that the last men in Aleppo team will be prevented from attending the Oscars because of Donald Trump's travel ban. But that film's director, Ferris Fayed, said, we are artists and we just want to share our stories and nothing more. But the producer and the subject of that documentary won't be in attendance at the upcoming 90th Oscars when their film competes for best feature documentary because the Syrian government has refused to expedite the travel visa process for the producer, Karim Abid, and the White Helmet's founding member, Mohad Moh Al-Hattar, who was featured in the film. Um, so, you know, that – and then when that happened, I think it was for that um, foreign film – God, I can't think of the name of it. But it was one from Iran that wasn't able to attend, and then that film ended up winning. So it'll be interesting if this being in the news, if that's going to help uh, Last Men in Aleppo perhaps uh, win the documentary feature Oscar. Um, Interesting to be seen, but that's certainly disappointing when your film is nominated for an Oscar and you're not able to attend because of a travel ban. But uh, anyway, uh, so the Academy also announced uh, they'll, they'll be celebrating Oscar night in New York and London. They'll be having special viewing parties there for its members and invited film industry guests on Oscar Sunday evening, March 4th. Um, Oscar Night London will return to Soho's Ham Yard Hotel to view the 90th Oscars at a two-tier screening venue. Guests will get to enjoy a midnight feast complete with espresso martinis and will watch the Oscar telecast stream live on the big screen. And the iconic Rainbow Room in New York will be the setting for the only East Coast event hosted by the Academy on Oscar Night. 
This will be on the 65th floor of 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Guests will be able to watch the live Oscars telecast while enjoying an inspired menu. So that's the way the Academy is having multiple celebrations uh, for its members in New York and London. Uh, they also announced, as usual, the Hollywood street closures that will be happening uh, during the Oscar week. Uh, so, uh, But basically, if you're in the Los Angeles area, you're probably already familiar with this every year. Um, but Hollywood Boulevard will be closed between Highland Avenue and Orange Drive beginning at 10 p.m. on Sunday, February 25th, and remain closed until 6 a.m. on Wednesday, March 7th. So it, that, that, that strip right there in front of the Dolby Theater remains closed for a, a pretty long time. Uh, the MTA subway trains bypass the Hollywood and the Hollywood and Highland station after the last regularly scheduled train on Saturday, March 3rd, until 6 a.m. on Monday, March 5th, after the Oscars. And then, of course, there will be additional sidewalks and streets closed as the Oscars get closer. So, if you're in the Los Angeles area, that's something, like I said, you're probably familiar with, and you can check out easily online um, to find out where you will have to try to get around. Um, so other Academy events, as we've talked about, that happened before the Oscars, the Scientific and Technical Awards uh, were given recently, and uh, they it had an interesting uh, speech that was given by one of the SciTech honorees, Jonathan Erland, who received one of the honorary Oscars that you may not be familiar with, the Gordon E. Sawyer Award, which is given at this event. Um, and he basically was critical of the Academy, uh, saying that there's too much emphasis placed on awards. Um, he said in his speech, he said the Academy has become increasingly award-centric and members largely relegated to an award-voting panel. He went on to say the community is comprised of much of the best practitioners in the field of cinema. To waste the awesome potential of these resources is unconscionable. If we are to fulfill the dream that Douglas Fairbanks, Mary Pickford, and the other founders had for our art form, we must collectively reassume more responsibility for our institution. Um, he went on to say that our Academy was created to make art possible, to make the excellence of the art and science of cinema possible. But he added that in the middle of the last century, we became complicit in the blacklist, damaging people's lives and tarnishing our reputation. I hope today we can stay focused on fostering the pursuit of excellence of cinema and let cinema itself be the agent of change in our society. Um, he said the Academy's role as midwife for the adoption of new technology is needed as much as ever, and he emphasized the role that the SciTech community can play, saying if we don't get the science first, there ain't going to be no art. Um, he received a standing ovation after that speech and got a hug from the Academy president, John Bailey. Um, so, a little notable event there. Um, it'll be interesting to see, like, when we get the little snippets uh, that recap the Scientific and Technical Awards dinner on the Oscar telecast. <laughs> They'll actually play, you know, part of his speech. So, that, we shall see. But anyway, that is all the latest news as we stand here on Monday, February 19th about the Oscar telecast. And like I said, in the coming days, I'm sure we'll get an announcement of more presenters um, and all the last-minute stuff that happens. But, uh Anyway, all right, so the Precursor Awards, as I mentioned, they're, they're always what's probably one of the best things to watch uh, during the Oscar season to see how the, uh, uh, the awards race is going. And, and like I said, this, there's a lot of ebb and flow, especially in Best Picture, you know, what, you know because uh, for a while, you know, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri was doing really well for a while and then kind of fell back a little bit, uh, got a little bit of criticism and I was beginning to think, you know, maybe it's it's out of the best picture race, and Shape of Water was really kind of rising. Uh, but then it does real well at the BAFTA Awards of all places, um, and especially where, like the in the BAFTAs are the British Academy Film Awards, and 
you know, when when you think films that are more British centric, like Darkest Hour or Dunkirk, weren't able to win, but a film about an American small town, Three Billboards, won. Um, it's, you know, I don't know. It's like I said, the BAFTAs, you know, they're not always the best predictor, you know, because they're obviously the British Academy, uh, but there are Academy members that that are also members of BAFTA. So, um, and like I said, it's a little high-profile awards ceremony. It is broadcast, so. Um, it is something to watch, but um, but yeah, BAFTA, the big winner, you know, Guillermo del Toro's Shape of Water, just like at the Oscars, it went into the BAFTA Awards with the most nominations. It went in with 12 nominations at the BAFTAs, but three billboards ended up winning five awards, including Best Film, uh, Best Actress for Frances McDormand, and Best Supporting Actor for Sam Rockwell, um, while Shape of Water uh, went off with only three awards, but it did win one of the big ones and probably what's looking like one of the easier categories to predict, the category of Best Director. Uh, with Guillermo del Toro winning. So uh, we do have some clips uh, to play, since you may have missed uh, some of these speeches of the big winners uh, at the BAFTA Awards. Um, let's take a listen first, since we just mentioned him, uh, to Best Director winner Guillermo del Toro at the BAFTAs this weekend. And the BAFTA goes to The Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro. Well, uh, thank you, thank you, Vafta. Thank you, Fox Herzog, for all the support, and, and my per diem for yesterday <laughs> was really useful for so much black pudding. <laughs> the shadow of uh, English culture has loomed large in my life, giving me inspiration. Uh, painters, writers, cinema, I made it no secret to say how important was the legacy of Powell and Pressburger in this movie in making it, the delicate writing of classicists like Noel Coward, uh, like Rattigan, um, but also Sally, the miracle, that is Sally Hawkins and myself. Uh, we made it a point to study two of the greats, uh, as director and as actor, Charlie Chaplin, and the magnificent minimalist, Stan Laurel who did so much with so little. But uh, the most important uh, figure uh, from English legacy is uh, incredibly for me, a teenager by the name of Mary Shelley. And uh, she has remained a, a figure as important in my life as if it was family. And so many times when I want to give up, when I think about giving up, when people tell me dreaming of the movies and the stories I dream is impossible, uh, I think of her. Because she picked up the plight of Caliban, and she gave uh, way to the burden of Prometheus, and she gave voice to the voiceless and presence to the invisible. And she showed me that sometimes to talk about monsters, we need to fabricate monsters our own, and parables do that for us. Thank you very much. Thank you.
there was Guillermo del Toro winning Best Director, and so again, that's cementing him. You know, after he won the Directors Guild Award, um, you know, Shape of Water still has to be considered a pretty strong frontrunner for Best Picture. But even even if it doesn't win Best Picture, it looks a pretty safe bet that Guillermo del Toro will go on to win Best Director. Another one that's looking like a sure thing is Best Leading Actress. Uh, and Frances McDormand won another one at the BAFTA Awards. He's been winning one after the other, um, and it looks to be a pretty safe bet that she will be uh, up there winning her second Oscar. Um, and from this fan of Three Billboards Outside Hebbing, Missouri, um, and that performance, um, that's one of the ones I'm most looking forward to. Um, something you notice in her speech, uh, she addresses the fact that uh, the BAFTA has followed along with a lot of uh, the other red carpet traditions uh, with the actresses uh, wearing black for the Me Too movement, uh, but she was one of the ones that kind of broke that tradition, and she addressed that very well in her speech. So here is Frances McDormand winning her Best Actress BAFTA. And the BAFTA goes to Frances McDormand. Three Thank you, British film people. As Martin said, I have a little trouble with compliance. But I want you to know that I stand in full solidarity with my sisters tonight in black. And I also want to say that I appreciate a well-organized act of civil disobedience. And I am thrilled that activists all over the world have been inspired by the uh, set decoration of the three billboards in Martin's film and uh, have taken to the streets and uh, let it be a part of the positive public discourse that's happening. So, you know, when I was a young actor in drama school, I was told that I was not naturally gifted and I would have to work at it and so I did and along the way I was very fortunate to uh, collaborate with filmmakers who started writing roles with me in mind Joel and Ethan Cohen Jane Anderson and now Martin McDonough and I deeply I'm deeply grateful to them for helping me realize my hidden potential who would have thought that Marge Gunderson would grow up to be Mildred Hayes? Power to the people. So a great speech there by Frances McDormand, kind of reflecting on her career and the movement and three billboards also. Um, the BAFTAs also give uh, you know, other categories as well that kind of reflect at the Oscars that we could maybe look at and see um, that could possibly go on to win. Um, and the Best Screenplay category, that was another win for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri for Martin McDonough. Uh, best Sound went to Dunkirk. Uh, best Special Visual Effects went to Blade Runner 2049. Instead of War for the Planet of the Apes, um, so, you know, that is probably between those two, but I'm still thinking War for the Planet of the Apes is probably the favorite. Um, best Production Design went to The Shape of Water. In the Best Adapted Screenplay category, James Ivory won for Call Me By Your Name. Uh, best Film Editing excuse me, went to Baby Driver, kind of an interesting choice. Uh, that is up for an Oscar as well. Best Costume Design, Phantom Thread. 
Best Original Music Score went to Alexandra Desplat for The Shape of Water. Best Makeup and Hair went to Darkest Hour. The Outstanding... Oh, hang on. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So those were some of the other awards that the BAFTA gave. Um, in the supporting categories, uh, and again, these are seeming like locks. The acting categories pretty much all seem like locks now um, because these favorites have been winning nonstop. Uh, you know, the Academy does always, every so often, seem to throw a wrench in the category. Um, but, God, they've been winning for so long, it just seems like they're, they're on the way to continuing that at the Oscars. Uh, Allison Janney did win Best Supporting Actress for her performance in I, Tanya, And here is her speech. And the BAFTA goes to Allison Janney, I, Tanya. simply murder a glass of water right now. I want to thank BAFTA, and I want to clear up a little lie that I've perpetrated for the past 30 years. I did not, in fact, graduate from the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. I did, however, attend a two-week summer program, which is probably the reason I'm standing here right now. It is certainly the reason I fell in love with London and, in, and fell in love with the theater. So this means a great deal to me. I want to thank the entire Itania team who's here tonight. You all are extraordinary. Craig and Margot, I love you. Um, to Team Janney, some of whom are here tonight, Kevin and Karen. Um, I want to thank uh, Leon and 30 West and AI for supporting this film from the beginning. And, and last but not least, I want to thank my, my dear friend Stephen Rogers, who wrote I, Tanya, this beautiful movie, and he insisted that I was the only actress to play this role. You've given me a gift I will never forget, my friend. I love you. Cheers. So Allison Janney looks to be staying very strong in her frontrunner status. Another frontrunner looks to be Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, as he won the Best Supporting Actor BAFTA, and seems to be, uh, you know, proving the theory that you know having two actors nominated from the same film would split the the vote. Um, you know, some might thought that might have an opening for Willem Dafoe in the Florida Project, but he's just unfortunately been seeing Sam Rockwell win again and again, and uh, uh, winning at the BAFTA it looks like. Sam is going to go on to win an Oscar as well. So here is Sam Rockwell winning Best Supporting Actor at the BAFTAs. And the BAFTA goes to Sam Rockwell, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Wow. Uh, hey, wow. I'm uh, humbled to be among my fellow nominees. These are all amazing actors, and uh, I, this has been a real magical journey for me. I'm, I've been a journeyman actor my whole life. I never dreamed to be standing here in London on stage celebrating with, with all you tonight, this incredible movie. And I stand here as a result of many people who believed in me over the years, sometimes when I didn't even believe in me. 
And uh, I want to thank Fox Searchlight, Ben, our DP, the entire cast, Woody Harrelson, Clark Peters, Sandy Martin. Um, there's a quote, and I don't know who's, it might have been Alan Rickman, there are no great actors, only great roles. And it might be Alan. But that's certainly the case with a Martin McDonough script. He's, uh, he's annoyingly handsome to be as talented a writer-director as he is. And uh, I'm, I'm so proud to have worked with him and grateful three times. You've changed my life. Thank you, Martin. I love you. And I think as we engage in this long overdue discussion about women in the workplace, I, I also stand on the shoulders of, of women, strong, intelligent, righteous women who've made my life complete. Fran, you're the rock that this film, but and every film, every film you're a part of relies. You make me proud to be an actor. And Leslie, my life is full because of you. you your compassion, your intellect, your talent, and most importantly, your love. I'm very lucky to be here tonight. Thank you to the British Academy. This is for my pal, Alan Rickman. I'll see you at the bar. Thank you. See you at the bar. Always love that sentiment. Um, and then as expected, he's been the front runner probably the entire Oscar season. I don't think we've had any, anyone look like they were going to uh, take this away uh, from getting Gary Oldman his first Academy Award. He's been winning uh, one Best Actor Award after another for his performance as Winston Churchill in Darkest Hour, and he went on to win the BAFTA. Uh, here was Gary Oldman's moment. And the winner is Francis McDormand. Nah, just kidding. <laughs> the BAFTA goes to Gary Oldman for the Darkest Hour. Thank you, BAFTA, for this tremendous honor. Um, I salute my fellow nominees for your beautiful work, and Leslie, too. Um, this is made all the more special because I, uh, I can share it with my family tonight who are here, my three sons, uh, Alfie and Gulliver, Charlie, my beautiful wife, uh, Giselle, and my extended family, Jim Osborne, Douglas Bansky, without your support, without your help, without your faith in me, I would not be standing here. Joe Wright, you led with, you led the charge with such uh, integrity and energy and passion. You handpicked an armada of talent. Um, I love you, Kristen. I love you, Lily. Uh, you, you, you have a singular vision and a huge heart, and they were never more on display than in this beautiful film. I would like to thank Eric Fellner, Tim Bevin, Lise Bruce, Anthony McCartan, uh, Douglas Sabansky, um, and uh, Peter Kajowski, Donna Langley, uh, and my wonderful makeup team, Kazuhiro. Uh, Dave, Lucy, 
Havana. And last but not least, uh, Winston Churchill, the man himself, in those dark, uncertain days in 1940, he held the line for uh, honor, um, uh, for integrity, um, and, uh, and freedom uh, for his nation and the world. So I thank you, Sir Winston. I thank you, um, the Churchill family, and of course, uh, once again, uh, BAFTA. My, I, I am so grateful for this uh, incredible honor. Thank you. So, like I said, those acting frontrunners uh, look very, very solid after winning at the BAFTA Awards uh, going into the Oscars in just 13 days. So, um, those look pretty well set. I don't see anybody really upsetting them, and we'll see how we all decide in the next couple of weeks if anything's changing um, when we convene on Thursday, March 1st, and offer up all our predictions. Now, one of the categories that I'm most fascinated to watch is best cinematography. Uh, you know, one of the you know every so often when we get an artist that you know ha goes on to get so many nominations and then never wins, uh, it becomes like a continual thing we watch. And uh, Roger Deakins, uh, the great, great, incredibly talented cinematographer, is nominated again this year. His 14th nomination. He has never won a cinematography Oscar, um, and in kind of a surprise, he won. Uh, at the BAFTAs, he won the Best Cinematography Award for Blade Runner 2049. Now, again, you know, Blade Runner, not the traditional Best Cinematography favorite uh, that you might have, although, you know, the original Blade Runner certainly celebrated for its cinematography, and again, Roger Deakins' work in Blade Runner 2049 is extraordinary. Um, but him winning at the BAFTAs was uh, very cool to see that happen. But then maybe the bigger one that he won um, – uh, recently was at the American Society of Cinematographers Awards, um, but again, this the the tough thing, and I and I believe the Academy ballots still do this. Um, they just list the films um, on the Oscar ballots, uh, so they don't list, you know, in in these technical categories like cinematography, they don't list Roger Deakins. It's just Blade Runner 2049. Um, so a lot of times, a lot of the Academy members now, obviously, like the American Society of Cinematographers, you know, Guild. They obviously know who Roger Deakins is, um, and so this is what always worries me. You know, is that they look at the Oscar nominees, and then you know they're going to maybe look at like cinematography for Dunkirk, for example, as you know more of the traditional kind of cinematography winner, perhaps. And I mean, these are all great works of cinematography. I'm not trying to diss any of them, but Roger Deakins' work on Blade Runner 2049, I do think, is the best achievement in cinematography this year. Um, and and just to get Roger Deakins an Oscar finally would be so great. So um, this is going to be a tough one to predict, though, um, because, again, the Academy membership gets to vote in all categories, and there might be a lot of people voting that are not even aware who Roger Deakins is and, you know, will be voting just on the film titles themselves. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, and this could be Shape of Water could possibly bring, um, you know, it could be swept up kind of in the technical categories. But you never can tell how they vote. But um, Roger Deakins winning at BAFTA is certainly a good sign. Um, and, of course, him winning the American Society of Cinematographers Award, certainly well-deserved, um, could, certainly, could certainly bode well. Um, 
uh, if you look at the at the history, you know, like a lot of times we do look at the guilds. Like the Directors Guild is probably the best one that matches up with the eventual winner of Best Picture. Um, the winner of the feature competition for the American Society of Cinematographers Award has gone on to win the Oscar in six of the past ten years. So, so let's hope. Let's hope. Um, you know, I mean, this is a very cool year for the cinematography category, having the first woman cinematographer nominated, Rachel Morrison for Mudbound. Um, she was also nominated for um, the um, American Society of Cinematographers Award. It was, in fact, the same group of nominees uh, that Roger Deakins won from. So we shall see if uh, if Deakins will win and if I'm bold enough to predict it. <laughs> Um, another guild that announced its winners were the Writers Guild, um, and the Writers Guild. Hang on, it's too much paperwork to get through. The Writers Guild winner for Best Original Screenplay went to Jordan Peele for Get Out, and the Best Adapted Screenplay winner went to Call Me by Your Name. Um, and adapted screenplay, you know, Call Me by Your Name looks to be uh, the pretty strong front runner. Certainly, winning the Writers Guild Award is good for it. But I think original screenplay is one of the most competitive categories uh, to predict. Um, this one could be could be a little difficult. Uh, Get Out certainly looks like a strong contender, and certainly winning um, the original screenplay prize from the WGA is certainly a good sign. Um, and then the USC Scripter Awards. Now, again, these aren't as much of an influence as, um, say, the Writers Guild, but Call Me By Your Name was another big winner there. Uh, the Scripter Awards are specifically for adapted screenplays. Um, so James Ivory's Call Me By Your Name won there. Um, the Golden Reel Awards were also announced, um, and those are for sound, for sound editing. Um, those awards were held Sunday in Los Angeles. And in the feature competition, it gave one award apiece to the sound editing Oscar nominees Blade Runner 2049 for effects and Foley and Dunkirk for music score. It also gave one award apiece to War for the Planet of the Apes for dialogue and ADR, The Greatest Showman for musical sound, Coco for animated feature sound, Loveless for foreign language film sound, and Jane for feature documentary sound. So um, the sound categories this year have the same exact nominees for sound editing and sound mixing, so... Uh, uh, kind of an interesting thing there that doesn't always happen. And the Visual Effects Society Awards, which again are the industry honoring its own. So War for the Planet of the Apes was a big winner there. And so like I said, even though Blade Runner 2049 won visual effects at BAFTA, um, I think this is a pretty strong uh, indicator that War for the Planet of the Apes is the front runner still for visual effects at the Oscars. But it won the top prize for outstanding visual effects in a photoreal feature, and won three additional trophies for effects, simulation, compositing, and animated character during the 16th Annual Visual Effects Society Awards that were held last week at the Beverly Hilton Hotel. Um, so, another big win for War for the Planet of the Apes. So, those were all of the uh, various guilds and other precursor awards that were presented uh, and kind of sets the race for right now. Um, so like I said, uh, in the best picture category, it's still kind of all over the map. And I'm telling you, like after last year um, and Moonlight being such an unconventional choice for best picture, um, the Academy membership has been changing, and it's being reflected, I think, in the Oscar choices for best picture. And of course, with that preferential ballot, um, it's very, very hard to predict that top category nowadays. 
Um, and especially in a year like this where we're seeing shifting front runners. You know, there's a big case to be made still for The Shape of Water. It goes in with the most Oscar nominations. Very well received. Guillermo del Toro is the front runner for Best Director. The Academy does like to match up director and picture a lot. Um, so we still can't vote it out. You know, three, but it's a very unconventional Oscar choice with a kind of science fiction, fantasy, monster movie kind of thing, although it is a throwback to those kinds of movies, um, which a lot of people might love. Um, so uh, major case to be made for Shape of Water. Three Billboards may be the more if you look at a lot of the kind of so-called traditional Oscar choice before the recent years. Um, you know, Three Billboards would certainly kind of stand there, kind of more of a serious drama Although it's a very funny film as well, and of course it's going to have a lot of the you know acting like it's like looks like it's going to have Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell, so two acting winners from it. So, uh, uh, but you know it, it it has gotten its share of backlash also. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of weeks if any of that changes. Uh, and you also got to watch out for Get Out. Actually, um, you know this is one that's going to end up, you know, if it doesn't end up being a top choice uh, with that preferential ballot system. I think we're going to see Get Out in a lot of towards the top. Now, talk about the most unconventional uh, kind of best picture choice that it would be, a horror film. But it's a statement of present times as well, and of course a brilliantly written screenplay. Uh, so I, I still think there's a pretty good case to be made for Get Out as well. So you kind of have a three-way race uh, for best picture, and it's this one's going to be a really, really hard one to predict. And like I said, we do have some other categories, even though we do have a lot of front runners. Just in every other year, we're going to have a few that are really, really tough ones to predict. So, I don't know. It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, at least I don't have to commit to those predictions until March 1st. So, anyway, all right. So, last bit of news: uh, the Hollywood Reporter uh, put out an article this past week, uh, giving some unsolicited advice to this year's Oscar producers. Seven tips for making a memorable show. So, uh, let's see what they're offering up, um, because we always get. Uh, recommendations you know everybody wants to say you know how the oscar show can be better it's like the the one show you know every year that just gets continually like uh you know they they want to try to change so many things and you know there there is so many things that are kind of a traditional format that just aren't going to change um i'm at least glad to see the hollywood reporter not going for the uh, the traditional one that we usually hear is get rid of the smaller categories um this is one that i i'm so I always get so angry about when people say that, like, why should we care about film editing uh, category? Why should we care about the sound awards or, you know, documentary short film? And it's the same thing that I always say, like, this is the one night. We can have it one night, you know, each year that we get to honor the entire art of film. And I think it's important for people to see, and certainly the people in the industry, to be honored next to those that are the more high-profile ones like actors, directors, because none of those actors would be standing there, none of those directors would be standing there if it weren't for everybody that's involved in making a film, like the cinematographers, the film editors, the visual effects artists, the sound mixers, the sound editors, the writers, um, the production designers, you know, everybody. So it's an important night uh, for that because that, that's the main reason why I've loved the Oscars all these years and why I continue to support them is because it is really the only one night on such a high-profile event that uh, the public gets to see these artists, and those artists get to have that kind of moment you know, next to all these other winners. So, so thankfully, this Hollywood Reporter article is not suggesting that, but they do offer some good tips here. So um, number one, don't sweep last year's fiasco under the rug. 
saying the show should acknowledge right up front that Moonlight's moment of triumph was shortchanged uh, with last year, and I fully expect that this this will be addressed. I'd be incredibly surprised, especially with the same producers coming back and, and host Jimmy Kimmel coming back, uh, that there won't be some kind of opening um, <laughs> or maybe even giving Moonlight some kind of extra due, uh, you know, because obviously with that huge fiasco, it was – you know, it, it was such a messed up moment uh, that it would have been so much different if had they announced it right. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure they'll address it somehow. I'm sure it'll be very comedic as well. And I'm sure Jimmy Kimmel, you know, already in some of the promos uh, has already been teasing last year. You know, how can they ignore it? There's no way that they could just, uh, you know, and, and that's the that's the good thing about the Academy. They do tend to embrace, you know, the accidents that happen, you know, they do celebrate a lot of the controversial moments that that maybe are frowned upon in the year they happen, but you know, once once you kind of have the reflection of history, the academy does tend to celebrate those moments. So, um I'm very very sure we'll see something addressed right at the front of the show. Um number 2, uh with PricewaterhouseCoopers, um they're saying to ditch the obligatory introduction of the accounting firm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, you know, there's certainly, you know, we reported a, you know, a few weeks ago that they're putting in a lot, the academy and and the accounting firm, uh, like the academy didn't fire Price Waterhouse Coopers. I mean, that relationship with Price Waterhouse goes back, God, I don't know how long now. They've been the accounting firm for the Academy Awards, and, um, you know, so they've put in a lot of safeguards that this kind of thing won't happen again. So. Um, but yeah, I always I always thought, you know, why do, do we really need an introduction of the people with the envelopes? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's kind of a tradition that that we have, but you know, maybe this would be a year that maybe they could probably be better for them to just kind of slip under the radar for just a little bit. Uh, their third recommendation: the Oscar ceremony has to acknowledge the Me Too and Times Up movements. Um, and this one will be difficult uh, because you know there's there's been so many awards shows already in the lead up. You know the Oscars is always the one that ends the awards season, and we've had so many awards shows that got to be the first out of the gate and really deal with these movements. Um, so it will be interesting to see how the Academy Awards deal with this. Uh, you know this such a critical time and a pinnacle moment um, in the industry. I mean it's obviously one of the biggest tidal waves that has been going through the Hollywood through Hollywood in the industry, and still going on. So uh, there's no way, again, that the Academy will ignore or should ignore that. Uh, so another good recommendation there. And number four, in saying, why not celebrate the women who against all odds became cinematic pioneers, uh, like Mary Pickford, who was one of the founders of the Academy? Um, and that's not a bad idea either. Uh, you know, maybe they've, – they've actually – you know, there's, there's been – I was remembering back recently to one of the Academy Awards. I think it was the year Unforgiven one. Go back to 1992. Uh, when the Academy's theme that year was the the year of the woman, um, and uh, you know, so I'm sure that they'll probably, you know, the Academy. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they did some kind of clip package that kind of celebrated, you know, the the pioneer. It would be a really good one to celebrate something specifically like that, the real pioneer, the pioneering women um, in the film industry. So, uh, not a bad recommendation there. Uh, number five said have a true legend in your midst. Um, they mentioned that Agnes Varda, who's age 80, 89, was nominated this year for the documentary Faces Places. Um, she was also celebrated in November at the Academy's Governor Awards. Um, but uh, they were saying instead of having her like the traditional thing ever since they've moved the Governor's Awards ceremony to its own separate awards before the Oscars, what we get tr traditionally and typically on the Oscars 
is just some brief snippets from their acceptance speeches, and then they are invited to attend the Oscars, and we get like a little wave from the seats uh, from these. But um, they recommended like you know having a legend like Agnes Varda and one of the Oscar nominees this year uh, yet to be seen if Faces Places will go on to win the Best Documentary Feature Oscar, but they're, they're saying that having her up on the stage uh, instead of away from the seats would be a good idea. Um, their next suggestion for Jimmy Kimmel, uh, it said, let's see. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Oh, they're saying, like, keep, keep him going for uh, uh, another Oscar host. Uh, yeah, I mean, the way he dealt with last year, for example, I enjoyed Jimmy Kimmel as host, and, you know, and he's, he's had quite a year. Uh, because he's really waded into a lot of political topics, uh, you know, recently talking about the gun control debate after the recent tragedy that happened. And, of course, he's been taking on health care for a long time. Um, so, uh, you know, it would be interesting to see if we're seeing a new uh, Oscar host that, you know, now that he's getting his second return year, um, maybe he, you know, will get a chance to become someone like a Billy Crystal, uh, like a Johnny Carson Bob Hope in past years that will be one of our perennial Oscar hosts. So he's uh, he certainly did a good job handing, handling last year. So we shall see. Um, and then it said, finally, when it's time to announce this year's Best Picture winner, um, they said, invite back writer-director Barry Jenkins and the cast of Moonlight and give them the honor of revealing the Best Picture of 2017, that they should be the ones passing the torch. I like that idea. Um, usually, you know, the... Academy Award for Best Picture, uh, they usually try to have someone really big uh, to announce that award. But that would be an incredibly cool thing um, to kind of have them you know, back on the stage to give the Best Picture uh, for this year. Um, so I definitely think we'll see you – know, like I said, it, it's going to be addressed somehow. Um, but these are some good suggestions that The Hollywood Reporter had for the show, so – Anyway, we are just, like I said, 13 days, uh, just under two weeks now until Oscar night, so that's all the latest I have. So that is our final show here until our Oscar prediction special. So like I said, mark your calendars. It will be a live show. We do it live every year, and it will, be, it will get your Oscar weekend started right on Thursday night, March 1st, um, and it will be starting uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 Central, 7 Pacific Time. And like I said, I'll be back with uh, our panel of five, myself, Garney Johnson, Jamie Duvall, Mark Johnson, and Chelsea Del Prey. Uh, these five have been doing this Oscar predictions now for quite a few years. Jamie and Garney go back even further. I think our first Oscar – are we coming up on our – I was just trying to figure this out today. I think this is – no, is it our 10th Oscar prediction special? I think we've done even more than that, actually. Yeah, because I remember there were a couple of years where we did um, – uh, yeah, yeah, I have to go back. But yeah, I think we've been doing this now for over 10 years, the Oscar prediction special. Um, Garney will be back with an opening medley uh, where he basically comes up with some interesting songs and sings uh, not, you know, the, for the nominees for Best Picture. So uh, we all look forward to that. Um, so I hope you'll plan on joining us on – Thursday, March 1st, for our Oscar prediction special. And then, of course, it'll be Oscar weekend. And then uh, the Oscar post show, I'll be delaying, uh, I think, by about another day because I will. Be, it looks like I'm going to be gone on uh, the day after the Oscars when I traditionally have the Monday night slot for the Oscar post show. So uh, I think we'll be doing the Oscar post show on Tuesday, March 6th. 
Is that what that would be? Yeah, Tuesday, March 6th. And then we'll just do our usual couple uh, post-Oscar shows uh, where Garney and Jamie and I look at the the films we're anticipating this year and then my annual look at the state of the motion picture, uh, at which time this show will go back on hiatus uh, until the next Oscar season. As I mentioned, uh, this show is really – you know, for the foreseeable future, is, and, and it's been this way now for a couple of years – uh, but just with my schedule the way it is and just a lot of the stuff I'm going through right now, um, it's it's becoming just a seasonal show uh, when each Oscar season starts up. So I appreciate all of you who still listen to this show. I know so many of you have been listening over the years. I appreciate it as always, and especially this year and last year when schedules – you know, I can't keep a regular schedule for this show, so I'm just trying to get these shows in when I can, so I do appreciate it very much. Um, so that's it for tonight. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, next time we will convene will be on Thursday night, March 1st, for the 90th Oscars Prediction Special. I hope you will make plans to join us all that night, um, and until then, have a good couple of weeks, everybody. <laughs>